Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with John Lorito about leadership shifts, recognizing leadership potential, and keeping your A players. John Lorito, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, Jonathan. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation today. I know uh, you have your own podcast. You have a lot of experience um, around these topics that we're going to be exploring about leadership, leadership shifts, uh, recognizing leadership potential in others, and really helping to attract and retain your A players within the organization. Uh, so all really great topics. Um, things that I'm super interested and passionate about and, and the types of topics that you explore a lot in your own podcast and in your own work. As we get started, I just wanted to share John's bio with everybody. For 20 plus years, John Lorito has been leading organizations in the financial services industry. John has developed a reputation as a turnaround expert with four successful and dramatic transformations of organizations. These included leading the 100th ranked out of 110 Ameriprise office in Hartford, Connecticut to the number one in the country and taking Boston, a Boston agency of Penn Mutual from last in national ranking to winning the prestigious President's Award twice, an excellence award three times. He currently speaks on stages worldwide on the topic of leadership and is the host of Tomorrow's Leader podcast. Uh, again, great uh, background, obviously some really exceptional experience. I look forward to uh, talking with you and giving you a chance to share with my listeners uh, your expertise and, and possible tips for how they can thrive in their own organizations. Mm -hmm. You got it, Jonathan. That was and one heck of an intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's continue along that vein. So I would love to just hear from you a little bit more about your uh, background, um, a little bit more personal context, and how did you get to where you're at and doing what you're doing? Mm. So I, I started uh, in leadership probably, I, I started originally as a financial advisor once I got out of school, and I probably three or four years in, I started training and developing people, and uh, I got bit by the bug. I just loved leadership and I've always been intrigued by leadership. I've always been fascinated by people that have a lot of influence and, and positive impact and uh, why they have so much influence and positive impact. I've just always been fascinated and, and, and studied it. So when I got into leadership, I realized uh, how passionate I was. I, I enjoyed it. I, uh, I was good at it. I obviously made a lot of mistakes as well and 
and learn from that. Uh, but I, I started getting, I think after 20 years of leading uh, organizations in the financial services community, uh, I started to uh, work on developing other people outside the industry. I started to get involved in speaking uh, and, and being asked to speak at different conferences. And that started to get me thinking more about doing this in, on kind of a uh, in a broader way and being able to impact more people. So at the beginning of this year, after thinking about it and planning it for a couple of years, at the beginning of this year, I went off on my own and started my own consulting and leadership uh, training and developing uh, development business, which is what I do now. And I love it. Uh, interesting time because, you know, a month at, or less than a month after I went on my own uh, is when the uh, COVID pandemic hit and uh, transformed all of our lives. But there's been a tremendous amount of positive things that have come from that. Uh, and I would not change a thing about it in terms of the timing of when I went off on my own. So that's what uh, what I'm doing. And that's a little bit about my background. Fascinating. I, I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, it's an interesting story. I've heard it repeated, a similar type of story repeated many, many times this year, um, just because COVID caught everyone off guard so much. And uh, you're not you're not the first person that decided to hang out their shingle, um, you know, and then all of a sudden had their world turned upside down. But as you mentioned, just uh, though there's there's difficulties that come with something like a pandemic and the type of shift that we've been seeing, it also provides a lot of new opportunities. Uh, and I've certainly experienced both sides of that myself. You know, I, I've seen both for me personally, my wife, my family, you know, things that have been challenging and difficult, but other new things that have come from all of this that wouldn't have emerged otherwise. And so uh, not to minimize anyone's pain or grief or the challenges that they might be facing. But uh, I, I do think that, you know, when we face difficulties, um, oftentimes there are opportunities that come amidst those challenges. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, I think what's happened is, you know, everybody's been forced out of their comfort zone, whatever that's been, whatever, and businesses, people in general, we've all had to adapt in some way and our lives have changed. I mean, even the way that we conduct business. Uh, I know many businesses that that everything was done physically in person and they've now converted entirely to uh, doing things over Zoom meetings. Uh, and I think people, because of that, have realized, wow, there's a lot, I can't tell you how many leaders I've talked to that have said, wow, you know what? We're going to change our model permanently. Uh, we are not going to house everybody in expensive real estate in an office. We're going to allow people to work from home because they're actually more productive and we can actually build an organization even more effectively and, and do what we're trying to do more effectively uh, this way. Um, and it's really transformed people. You know, I think... You know, I know when I started my business, uh, my vision was I was going to be speaking on a stage every single week. And I had, I remember when I left in January or in February, I had uh, keynote presentations booked. I had a TED talk booked, all this stuff. And very quickly it all evaporated. And uh, I remember thinking, wow, okay. I almost, you know, went into panic mode. I'm like, what am I going to, this was my business but it forced me in a different direction. You know, I do virtual presentations now. I'm doing more consulting work uh, that I never would have been doing 
had I stuck to my original plan. It pushed me in a whole new direction that's actually paid off tremendously well because I can do what I love doing in a different environment in a different delivery mechanism. And uh, so I, I think about that. You know, I know a lot of businesses that have, there's some businesses that have, uh, that have, that have just been paralysis, uh, they've par par been paralyzed. They don't know what to do. They didn't adapt, they didn't pivot. And because of that, unfortunately, they're not doing well or some are gone out of business. But I also know many businesses that have thrived because they've changed their model and thought differently. And, and uh, it's just pushed people to a whole stepping outside their comfort zone. Yeah, and stepping outside the comfort zone is really what's required, I think, of a modern leader. That actually brings me to my first real question for you today. I know you talk about leadership shifts, um, and certainly, you know, something like a pandemic has has upturned everyone's world and requires um, organizations to pivot. It requires leaders to to think and function in a different way. Um, so what are some of those characteristics that you've seen as this shift has been happening um, in recent years, but also during the pandemic in response to shifting geopolitical uh, landscape, socioeconomic shifts, technological disruptions? I mean, there's all these different drivers, you know, pushing us in new directions in terms of leadership and what we need from lead the leaders of tomorrow. Um, what are you seeing in terms of that shift? I, I think the, the leader tomorrow's leader, which is the name of my podcast and, and the name of my book that's coming out, uh, which I'm always thinking about, what does tomorrow's leader really look like and what are they and what are they not? I think the days of leaders being, um, being these authoritative, uh, commanding style of leaders, I think that's that's going to be and really has become almost a thing of the past. Uh, I think tomorrow's leader really is someone who is uh, empathetic. Uh, they are really understanding their people. They are much more relationship-based um, than than ever before because. You know, leadership is about influencing people in in a positive way, and it's not just enough for a leader to to tell people what to do or even where we're going, but they really need to tap into and help people understand why, you know, and and to do that, they also need to understand, you know, the the why behind their people, what what really motivates them, what really satisfies them and and tomorrow's leader i think is that that type of person that really does they they understand uh the people in their organization and they help them get behind a vision that's uh a powerful vision but that also has a strong why behind it and uh so i think that's th that's what this shift has been about i think this year it's uh it's much more than just getting results it's much more about you know, the number, it's much more than just the numbers. It's about, you know, doing things the right way. It's about uh, connecting people. Um, people are feeling isolated. They're feeling they're on an island. They're, they're dealing with emotions that they haven't really dealt with or situations that they haven't dealt with before. And leaders, it's not just about the business. It's about their life. And I think that's really what the shift has been around.
Yeah, I really like that. Uh, getting to the why of work, um, why why organizations function the way they do, why leaders are leading the way they do, why people, why the people in their teams are there and doing the work that they're doing, what motivates them, what drives them. And, you know, our, our people aren't a monolith. And so, you know, even if we have, you know, threads of similarity across our teams in terms of skills, competencies, capabilities, even motivations, the reality is everyone's in you know different life stages. Everyone has you know different salient drivers, and and unless we know our people, we're not going to be in a position to leverage their capabilities, and we're not going to help draw out their potential, right? Uh, and I, I in my mind, that's one of the foremost um, functions of a of a, an effective leader is that they see the potential in their team, and they help their team to see their own potential and then they help to create an environment where that can come out. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then, and then you maximize potential, you maximize performance, you maximize innovation and that drives competitive advantage in the marketplace and it helps the organization succeed. It helps the leader succeed. It helps the individuals succeed, you know, all across the board, it's a win, win, win. And that's what we want. And that doesn't happen with an authoritarian style. Um, mm. It doesn't happen when you have someone dictating and seeking compliance with, with the edicts that they send out you know, to the organization or to their team. It happens as you empower people, um, as you give people the opportunity um, to, to try things iteratively and, and even fail um, because failing can then lead to learning and le lead to new innovations. And as we create that kind of a safe environment for those types of um, uh, characteristics to be in place and that kind of a culture to emerge, uh, then you, you see so much more come out of your team, far more, far more than could ever possibly come from you being the, the person dictating to everyone what needs to happen, when and why. You know, it's it's really about developing people. You know, there there's there's two different mentalities. There's a mentality that okay, I've as a company or as a leader, I'm always trying to determine who the best people are and who the people in the middle are and who the people on the bottom are and cut the bottom people and recruit in better people. But in reality, the best leaders I've seen are the ones that understand that developing people is key, even your top people, because your top people your very top people, they may love you, they may love the company, but if they're not growing, they're going, they're going to go somewhere else. And uh, people need to feel, top people need to feel really three things. They need to feel that they are growing. They need to feel that they are making an impact to the uh, company or the organization or the world around them. And they also need to feel recognized. And if they're not, then they're ultimately not going to be there. But the leaders that really understand that developing people, you know, a lot of companies have gone away with the annual uh, performance review. Uh, because, and the reason why is not because per, per, reviewing performance is not important, but they realize, you know what, we're doing it once a year. Why are we doing it once a year? Now that's better than not doing it at all. 
but the formal, you know, performance reviews, sit down, review, and then that's going to dictate your income and all blah, 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 your raise, your bonus, whatever. Uh, the smart leaders and the smart companies have, have adopted a whole different philosophy. And that's more on the spot feedback. It's, hey, I, I caught you doing something well, I'm going to give you feedback. Or if you're not doing something well, I'm going to give you feedback. It's going to be real time. And I'm not going to wait till an annual performance review. Most employees in that annual performance review uh, environment only get feedback literally during their annual performance review once a year. That's not developing people. That's doing it because you have to. I mean, you have to check a box and say you did it and write it up. And here's now your bonus or your raise. Uh, that's not leadership. That's more management. You know, leadership is truly caring enough about someone to help them fulfill their potential. And that's not going to come unless they're really getting feedback and they're getting input and they're getting guidance on an ongoing basis. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and it's, it's so interesting to consider kind of the mentality shift. So we talked about leadership shift. Um, part of it is, is kind of an organizational shift, a mentality shift amongst workers. And we know millennial and Gen Z workers, they, Again, they're not a monolith. There's there's nuance and difference across these age cohorts. But as a group, generally speaking, we know that they want to make an impact, right? They want to be recognized for the good stuff that they're doing, like you said, and they want coaching, mentoring, and feedback. And they want it in real time. They don't want to be waiting even for not let alone a, an annual review, but not even a quarterly, right? They they expect it uh, on a regular, ongoing basis. And that's not how organizations have been set up to function traditionally, uh, in large part because that's not what previous generations expected, right? And so now, now we're having to make this adjustment. And, and sometimes I think it's funny because you hear people bemoan the younger generation and how entitled they are and they, they want to, uh, you know, they, they want to change the world and they, they, they expect they're, they're so needy, they need all of this attention and they need all this this uh, feedback, I'm like, eh, I mean, on one level, maybe, maybe some of that, there's some truth to it. But on the other hand, I think they, they are just expecting um, what we've been teaching both executives and in, in business schools to students for decades now about what effective leadership is, you know, mm -hmm. they, they, they know what to expect and they expect it and they're not willing to put up with anything less and when they don't have that experience they're gonna leave they're gonna go to the next organization um, to try to find that opportunity and and so you know we can be kind of curmudgeonly and stick in the muds who, who want things to stay the way they have always been and 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 try to just get people to fit our old model good luck with that I mean that's that's just not gonna work we're not gonna be um, fighting for the best talent if that's our approach as a leader or as an organization. Uh, and if we want, if we want to attract and retain a players, uh, the bottom line is we, we need to meet them where they're at and help them progress. And I don't think it's unreasonable for a millennial or Gen Z worker to expect ongoing feedback from, from their, their boss. No. And, and, and it's funny because we, we sometimes feel like, and the natural tendency is not to give feedback. Many people are just uncomfortable giving feedback. Um, and, and leaders are uncomfortable giving feedback. They're, they're uncomfortable being candid. Um, they're, uh, and 
and what I would say is, and uh, you know, there, there are times where I've been that way too, where I've felt like, oh, I, maybe it's just easier for me to not tell them, you know, give them the feedback or whatever. But you know what, that's ultimately doing that person a disservice. And granted, there are some people that don't like feedback. They don't want, or they just want positive. They don't want negative feedback, but there's such a thing. I used to, uh, uh, oftentimes and still do contract for feedback, meaning that up front, I say, Hey, Jonathan, you know, we're trying, I want you to do as best as I know you can. I want to help you fulfill your potential. When I catch you doing things that I know I see that you are doing well, um, and really, I think are helping you really get to the level that you want to get to. Are you okay with me pointing that out? Well, of course. Okay. Are you also okay if I see you doing things that are not contributing that I really feel are taking away from where you're trying, what potential can get to, or you're okay with me giving you that feedback. Yeah. So if you do that up front, then you've got the basis for a relationship that's going to be very much open to feedback. Um, and then you've got to fulfill that promise. You've got to make sure you're doing that. So that's one way that leaders can, can really open the door for that. Um, and it doesn't take long to build culture around that too, because you want that. You want people uh, expecting, wanting, and taking action on feedback. That's, that's an organization that's growing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what are some tricks or approaches that you use in, in your experience with organizations and leadership um, to recognize and, and really see the potential in people, um, particularly leadership potential? Because we're talking about a leadership shift. We're talking about new skills and capabilities that perhaps um, weren't required of managers or leaders in the past, but are really necessary today. So how do you gauge that? How do you see, you know, who has that potential uh, and then try to, to develop them, you know, so they're ready to take on those roles when, when the time comes. That's yeah. such a great question. And it's such an important question. Uh, one is I always operate on the assumption that I am not, I have not, and I am not seeing the best, that somebody has, as good as they are. You may be an A player, but I'm always operating on the assumption that you can even be better. Um, but the other thing too is I'm not gonna see the potential unless I'm putting you in a situation where I can see it. So oftentimes that might be having you do something that would be stepping outside your comfort zone or doing something that's not in your normal you know, day to day. It might be putting somebody in a position to lead when they're not a leader. Hey, I'd like you to, teach a class on this, or I'd like you to mentor this person, or I'd like you to, uh, to, uh, to have this conversation or, 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 or present at our next conference about something. Um, and oftentimes I've seen in those situations, you see the potential that somebody has. Wow. You know, I saw you up there in front of the group. You did a great job. I can actually see your, your, you've got a potential to be a great leader. I don't think people in general are giving their leaders are giving their people in some cases opportunities to shine and opportunities where that leader can spot the potential in people you have to look for it um but that's that's what i i coach leaders on uh put your people give them stretch assignments put them in situations push them out of their comfort zone a little bit and you'll start to see things in people that you wouldn't have seen otherwise and that's what you that's that's how you really develop people yeah, the stretch assignments, I think, are really, really key. And I get it. It can be uncomfortable because you don't know how it's going to go. They're, it's a, called a stretch assignment because they haven't proven themselves in that area yet, right? And so sometimes it won't go great. And, and for, 
perhaps uh, there will be some failure involved or or at least it won't live up to kind of the level that you, you hope it will. But you have to do it. And, and you mentor and you coach and you help them along. And then in many cases, people will rise to the occasion and they'll, they'll show you what they're made of. And then, you know, that, that brings it into play everything that you were just talking about. And then uh, that provides a huge amount of benefit to the organization. And even if it doesn't go particularly well, even, even if it didn't work out, you still learned something important. Um, you've still given them the opportunity. And just because it didn't work this one time doesn't mean they won't be able to grow into that kind of um, capabilities in the future. It just, but it highlights the gaps and it highlights where the, the coaching, mentoring, and development can occur. Exactly. Absolutely right. Yeah. So you've already referred a little bit to keeping the best people. Um, you know, let's say we have a great leader, they see potential in people, they're, they're working along the lines that we've been discussing, um, but you're, you find yourself in an organization or in a culture where you just see the best people leaving on a regular basis. What's going wrong there and how can we stop that, uh, that, that outflow of good talent? Yeah, I, I think the, the organization and the leader has to really assess what are we doing for our top people? How are we developing them? Because if they are not investing in those people, to my prior point, um, if they don't feel they're growing, they're, they're, they're going to go. Um, top people don't like that feeling of not growing, of getting stale or, or plateauing. So I think... Uh, that's the first thing, you know, if you don't have a clear answer to that question, well, what am I doing? To, what, how we invest in our top people, then you're probably not, or you're not doing it enough. Um, very rarely do I see retention problems or, or a lot of turnover in an organization that is doing that. Uh, do you have a culture of promoting from within or are you constantly looking for people outside? That's not good. You know, you want to have an environment where you're promoting not always from within, but certainly giving people opportunities um, because that can be also very disheartening to an A player when they see those opportunities going to people that aren't in the organization. So those are typically the signs, uh, the biggest uh, signs that cause those problems. Yeah, excellent. Well, John, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. The time has flown and we're almost to the end of our time together today. Uh, but before we part ways, I just wanted to give you a chance uh, to share with listeners how they can get connected with you uh, and give the final word on our topic today. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, they can get a hold of me uh, either my website, which is loritogroup.com, that's L A U R I T O G R O U P.com, or uh, they can check out my podcast, which is Tomorrow's Leader uh, on all the podcast uh, platforms as well as YouTube. Uh, and uh, keep an eye out for my book coming out, which should be in the next few months uh, called Tomorrow's Leader. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, John. It's been a real pleasure. I hope listeners will reach out, get connected with John, check out his book, um, find out more about what he can do for you and your organization. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. I hope you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. 
Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.